Hi, Victoria. I'm very happy to have you. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Albert. I'm very excited to be here. Me too. And the conversation topic is very interesting. So to know a little bit more about you first, you study pleasure for living. And that is fascinating. Can you tell us more about that? Yes, I I call myself the self-love scientist for my business. And I do study pleasure for a living. And what I mean by that is I'm researching, interpreting, experiencing, and coaching myself and other women on how to lead lives and building healthier relationships within themselves so they can experience a life that goes beyond a, a structure, unrealistic expectation. And what I found to be very powerful is the connection between what we're feeding our mind and how it impacts our sexuality and our sexual health in general. So it's it's been a very fascinating study and I think it's starting to become more popular, but it's still very easing in because it's such a taboo topic, something that we don't see in like schools or when it's depicted on the media, it's very it's it's almost oversaturated. So, and that's one of the things that kind of blocks us from our potential because we're thinking in our minds it's supposed to be one way when in reality, there's a long list of questions you need to ask yourself and really sit with before moving forward. Yeah, that's definitely fascinating. And it's very interesting to do. Uh, I wonder what are the uh, key findings that you, that you had along this topic of the relation between sexuality and mental health what do you find people are struggling with the most and what is uh, often overlooked people are struggling with confidence and confidence is connected to the way they feel about themselves when it comes to their physical appearance and also shame and the shame is coming from something they experienced at a young age, whether it was um, in their control or not, or they interpreted something or received information. So they've been carrying it with them without even realizing it. Like we have in our minds, these preceptions of what we think something is in quotes, like supposed to look like or exposed to be when in re and then we experience it. And now we're like, I'm confused. Like, it, I guess this is the way it's supposed to be. Um, for example, you know, um, there's about 45% of women out there who are experiencing unsatisfying sex, and that 45% reported that they did not feel great about themselves. They had these negative thoughts and feelings about the way they felt in their body, and they never considered that when they were with their partners. They just were very focused on if their partner or not was happy. And that stems from the shame and the fear of being left behind. Yeah, this is very insightful. And I think it's often overlooked by people. Uh, but it's interesting for me when I think about it, when you say bad experiences or some um, core beliefs that they had from early ages, uh, does that only concern about the sexual experience in their early age, or it's more about the life in general that reflects into their sexuality? It's definitely a combination of the two, because you can experience something and that's all you'll ever know. 
So you'll keep that close as you move throughout life until you choose to stop that pattern. So it's like looping behaviors. And then the other part you said, um, other lifestyle factors can definitely hinder your sexual potential. And that looks like your career. Like you could be in a very wealthy paying job, but you're working 40 plus hours a week and you're being walked all over. You're people pleasing. You're saying yes to all the events, especially like right now we're in holiday season and you're becoming burnt out. So when you are not prioritizing yourself in a way or scheduling like for couples, I encourage scheduling like their intimacy together because they forget about it. They get so caught up in trying to be everywhere, everything all at once, which is something we cannot do. It's just that we have grown up with this expectation that I gotta do so much in order to feel validated and that's what's really holding us back from our potential and pleasure is because you're already you're already worthy enough. You're already validating. However, you need to recognize that in yourself first in order to thrive even more. Yeah, definitely. That makes sense. And when you are saying that people are kind of undermining their uh, sexual life uh, for their jobs or something, uh, this remind me, this concept reminds me as well of like general self-care uh, routines, overall how people treat them. So in this uh, context, do you treat also sex as like kind of a self-care or it falls under a different category in your opinion? In my opinion, I would say a sex, whether it's with a partner or solo, is a version of self-care or for me, I call it self-love because it's a way of reconnecting and letting go, learning to soften in the process. And it's, you know, down to a cellular level, there's a long list of wonderful benefits to it as well from, you know, clearing your skin to helping you sleep more. And we could always use some more sleep and the release of hormones that are happening are, are great for us. So yes, it's definitely something I would recommend adding to your self-care, self-love ritual or routine. And the best way to do that is to schedule it. If if that's the first thing, like definitely start with scheduling it because it can be hard. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, I think this is very important and we can come back to that later about like scheduling and what are other like kind of tips. Uh, but since we are talking about some of the causes of this problem, uh, I think we can identify also body image as uh, kind of a cause of uh, uh, dismissing our sexuality. And uh, do you think, what do you think is the impact of social media and pornography in general on this uh, subject? When it comes to the media, whether it's through pornography or, or socials, um, that's definitely hurting. It's not to say you know, like having access technology is great. However, again, it's setting up this unrealistic expectation. There's a reason why it's a movie. You know, there's a reason why they choose certain people for these roles. And the unfortunate thing about pornography is we, you know, whether you're a man or a woman and you're watching this, you start to sit there and process this like while it's very stimulating and then in real life when you finally meet someone you have performance anxiety and 
and that affects your libido. So now you're no longer able to perform or you do and your partner's not exactly thrilled. So you start questioning yourself, like, what did I do wrong? Is this supposed to be like in the movies? Um, and besides the performance anxiety from pornography, there also comes that confidence that we talked about. Like generally in these um, movies, there are certain body types and that really makes us question the way we look. Like, why doesn't my body look like that? Or, you know, it can feel very awkward to not really know, like, am I supposed to make a sound, you know, and it doesn't, it does it no longer feels sexy. <laughs> if you can't be yourself because in your mind, you're thinking it's supposed to be like what you saw. So it can definitely, again, it's harming, it's harming your mind, which is harming your sexual potential. Yes, absolutely. I think this is affecting a large, uh, portion of the society I can relate on myself and I think uh, too many people could so in your opinion what is the way of battling that because it's like from what I see it's two ways problem because I have a problem with myself and with my partner I'm expecting something from myself that's mm -hmm. unreal or and I'm having unrealistic mm -hmm. expectations for my partner so how do you think we can overcome it so overcoming these unrealistic expectations, yeah. learning to recognize what's valuable about you and what's a non-negotiable for you when it comes to intimacy. So if you, let's say, let's go back to the, the confidence piece, which is something that I've, I've noticed a lot when it comes to body shame and that's blocking your sexual potential. So if you're in your mind thinking you're supposed to look a certain way or it's supposed to feel a certain way, you need to start practicing these forms of self-love for yourself. You know, start by appreciating your body and learning what feels good. So I highly recommend like even solo sex. Um, and at the same time, I would, if you're, you know, with your partner, it's always good to have the discussion outside of the bedroom. If you're worried about anxiety performance, it's important to highlight the things you enjoy and the things that you would be open to changing a little bit because it really, through communicating, especially like through safety and having trust, you can actually increase your chances of pleasure because now you feel safe. But if you don't feel safe in your body because you didn't have these conversations, there nobody's going to read your mind. No one's going to know what feels good to you except for you. So the best way is to explain, communicate, and receive that clarification before moving forward. And there's a lovely amount of resources out there about, you know, when it comes to performance anxiety or performance pressures and how you can really turn it up in the bedroom. Yeah, that's definitely insightful. But uh, what you mentioned about the conversation, I think many people find that kind of awkward or embarrassing. So since you coach people, I bet that you give them some tips to go through it uh, in a more comfortable way. So maybe you could share some of these tips because I can't imagine like many people would hear you and think like, oh my God, I'm never going to do it. It's <laughs> too awkward or something like that. Thank you for saying that. It does in the beginning. It's it's really hard. Like 
honestly, it's very hard to have the conversation the first time. And the reason why is, you know, when you're with someone you care, or if you're with yourself, like even just sitting on your own and asking yourself these tough questions, it requires you to be vulnerable. And that's something we have grown into thinking it makes us weak or um, by showing any form of vulnerability, emotions, or trust, we fear rejection. And that's something we see in partnership. It's like, well, I want them to be happy. Well, they're going to be just as happy listening to you. So my, my tips would be, you know, definitely scheduling this outside of the bedroom with your partner or even setting time aside for yourself. And you know, always start with something wonderful, you know, express how much you enjoy being with them and go into some things that, you know, you'd love to share and bring up, whether it's something you want to try or it's a question because you want to get to know them a little bit more or just out of curiosity, it's going to feel hard at first. And again, maybe you're on the receiving end of this. So with communication comes great listening skills. So if it's happening, if you're receiving this information from your partner, or if you're sitting with yourself and you're trying to focus on, you know, what is it that I want? Like, what does feel good for me? Allow yourself to pause and really listen with intention because instead of trying to come up with the answer or just say yes to get it over with, by being more intentional with your conversations, you might actually learn a whole lot and you'll be better for it. And so will your person. And by having thoughtful communication and conversations, even when they're vulnerable, that creates longer lasting intimacy and relationships. Because again, you know, when we look at relationship statistics, why are they falling apart? Because they didn't communicate because they didn't want someone to get hurt. And the more we hold on to something with this expectation that maybe someday they'll get it is completely false. That's very rare. <laughs> so the best thing is for you to be yourself. And in order to be yourself, you need to, you know, value yourself, love yourself and stand up for yourself. And the right people will be there for you. Yeah, absolutely. So just having the courage to do that, it might be a big part of the solution, technically. And another thing I wanted to discuss as well is how much do you focus on the uh, emphasizing on the connection between the oneself and their bodies, like uh, connection between the mind and the body. And because sometimes we we have problems, but we don't know that the actual cause of the problem is that we are actually not connected to our body in a way that we think we are. We maybe go to the gym, we maybe exercise and we think like, yeah, we are doing good, but we don't actually communicate effectively with it on the deeper level. So what is your experience with that as well? So it sounds like, so you could be going to the gym, being super healthy and still not feel connected with yourself. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. Okay. So with that disconnection, I would almost ask, like, what is it that you're doing? Like, like asking yourself, what is that you're doing? Who is this for? <laughs> yeah, because the like from my perception, many people like just go to the gym because to, to just achieve goals, you know, just mm -hmm. tick some boxes. They don't focus on the process like they want to look good in the mirror. 
but they don't focus on how does it feel in their body, if you got what I mean. And with that, so that would be wanting to look good, but still not feel connected. It's very similar to the concept of money. You can make a lot of money and have a very successful job and feel nothing and feel miserable. So it's important to ask yourself, what is it that you do need in this moment? And by achieving these goals, what does it do for you? How, how is this serving you? And is this something that you really want? Like, that's a really big question. And most of the time, people don't know the answer to it because they've never been given the opportunity or the chance just to express, actually, I don't want this, or I do want this, and I want this because of X, Y, and Z. So if you want to go to the gym to look good and it actually feels good, you know, then that's wonderful. If you're going to the gym and you're hurting yourself to look good because in your mind you think you're supposed to look this way, that's completely different because you're battling with some form of, you know, body shame or confidence. So there's like two different distinctive explanations. Yeah, absolutely. And what do you advise the people who are doing this? Like, how can they uh, shift their mindset or shift their focus? What what do what should they focus on? Because when someone hears that uh, the connection with their body in general, uh, they might feel lost uh, at first because they don't have a clear set goal, or because they were functioning based on societal expectations or external motivations and not internal drives. Oh, this is good. I also just made some um, information about this. I call it taking inventory. And what you'll want to do is, you know, ask yourself what it is you want. Start with that question and then begin to notice where you're putting yourself, you know, where are you sh you're spreading yourself thin, really? Like maybe you go to the gym for two hours a day and then you're not eating, or maybe you go to the two, you go to the gym every day for two hours and you're not seeing your friends and you feel guilty about it. You know, ask yourself where you're putting yourself. How is this working for you? And what is it that you need to let go of in order to move closer to your goals? And if you're overly stimulated and feeling disconnected, then that's definitely a good, you know, set of questions to ask yourself. So if you're a workaholic, and you only grant yourself little slivers of peace and, and softness to like relax, then you need to incorporate more re relaxation to reconnect with yourself. As you said, you know, we can, we live in this society where we work Monday through Friday, either eight to four, nine to five, and sometimes even more than that. And it's, it's driving a lot of people down and they think it's normal. Like they think this is it. They say, it is what it is. And it's like, no, you're settling. <laughs> Never settle. Keep striving for the best thing for you. Not because someone told you to do the thing, you know, live the life you want to live. And that's going to require some form of sacrifice. Yeah. And it will take time, but. Absolutely. So now back to the tips and tricks that we were talking about from your kind of toolbox. Uh, what do you advise people usually to be more, uh, as we said, the connection between mental health and sexuality is crucial. So how do you usually advise people to improve on that? You said to schedule 
like time for sex. This is one tip. Another tip we mentioned is to have the conversation, this awkward mm -hmm. conversation. And what are other things that we need to, like, for example, take into account in order to improve on this topic? So those are actually the scheduling sex or scheduling solo sex and having the conversations around sex are probably the hardest ones. And if you go for that, I'm very, very proud for you and very excited. You can also start by simply learning to acknowledge your body and love it a little more. And I do this with my clients. I teach them something called mirror talk. And that's where they stand in front of a mirror. You can be fully clothed or not. And you start to notice different parts of you that you love. And then notice the parts of you that you don't love. And then we flip the script. We change the way you feel about those parts. So again, we like, if we're going to the gym, it's like, I want to get bigger or I want to have more abs. And it's, well, what is it that you don't like about them? You know, or for women, you know, we have we're very self-conscious about our hips and our lower bellies because we think we're supposed to be like surfer with like, you know, really hard abs, but sometimes it's genetics. We can't, we can't do that. <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't work. So starting with loving affirmations that feel very good for you. And then another one is scheduling sometimes to do the things you enjoy the most every single day for like 15 to 30 minutes. That could be practicing yoga. It could be going for a walk or reading a book, just finding time to do the things that bring you the most joy. Even though it sounds super small and super like, well, that sounds easy. It's a lot harder than you think. Yeah. You know, people who have children or work a, like are the workaholics, that means they have to get up even earlier or it means they can't go to cocktail or happy hour with their friends. But allowing some more time for you to reconnect um, is actually very good for your mental health. And then you can move forward with scheduling yourself solo sex or partner sex. And just, you know, I could keep going. I could keep talking. <laughs> Those are the ones yeah, I should. Very good advices, Victoria. Thank you. And uh, But I'm really curious about the affirmations part because it's, uh, it is very, like, debatable. Mm -hmm. uh, so from your practical experience did, did you see it working on people because some people really um, just reject that and they think they don't work and some other people uh, cling to it as it's the uh, magic solution so uh, what what is your opinion my opinion on affirmations is i would say i'm I'm not skeptical. I'm not skeptical. I am more analytical about it because you can have a list of affirmations like I am successful, I am sexy, and I am powerful. You can say everything you want because your words are powerful. However, you may not feel that at all. And feeling like the emotions that we have is, you know, emotions are energy in motion. So if you don't feel sexy, if you don't feel successful, or you don't feel powerful, then those words will not carry as heavy as a meaning. And you're just, so you're just saying things to say things. It's like, how do you use your word, turn your words into actions, just like actions speak louder than words. So with affirmations, you know, I could have a client pick out a series, we'll find a set of affirmations that 
work really well for them. And my like my affirmations of let's, you know, I am sexy, I am successful, and I am powerful. Someone might want to say that because it sounds good, but it doesn't, it doesn't feel good for them. So we need to find the words that are more suitable and ask ourselves, well, what does feeling sexy do for me? What does feeling powerful do for me? What does it look like to be successful? And the more we take these affirmations and really expand them into a more visual interpretation, we can easily put ourselves into that identity and start acting as it. So if you want to, if you say you are sexy, powerful, and successful, I need you to step into this identity of what that looks like for you specifically, not what it looks like for your friend, not what it looks like on TV. What is it for you specifically? And your brain will start taking this visualization and re, you know, recalibrating, recreating a new reality for you because you visualize it so. Right. Yeah. This next level explanation, I think, makes perfect sense. So yeah. Very, very convincing. Yeah. Your brain so, is powerful. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it is. Absolutely. So, Victoria, I think we came to the end of the episode. So I'd like to thank you so much. It came by so fast. And these all information were very interesting. And I think we took a lot of useful tips from you. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Albert. This was a really insightful conversation to you. I loved it. Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to seeing you again. Thank you.